0: Hey there, and welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kenzie Dozinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach, and this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. Happy Memorial Day. I hope you all have had a wonderful week or two. Evan and I just got back from a week-long trip to Glacier National Park, and it was beautiful. So, I'm feeling full swing into summer mode and I hope as you listen throughout the summer you get to listen on the road or at the beach or on your way to work just wherever the summer takes you. Continuing with our series for mental health awareness month, the cognitive distortion we're talking about today is labeling. Labeling is finding fault in your own or someone else's behavior in attaching a negative label either to yourself or to that person. It's taking a behavior to an extreme in one's own mind and then attaching a label to someone's character. For example, she didn't just make a mistake, she is a mistake. He didn't just do something gross, he is gross. I wasn't embarrassed, I am an embarrassment. So as you can see, this cognitive distortion takes our judgments beyond what's true and points these labels at ourselves or others. So let's talk more in depth about labeling ourselves for just a second to really grasp this concept. When it comes to labeling ourselves, we often do so in response to a thought that we have about our own action or inaction. Let's say I neglect to prepare for a test. So on test day, I go to take the exam, and I feel unprepared, And in that moment, I think, I have no idea what the answers are. Okay, so that's a reasonable thought in response to not studying. I didn't study, therefore, I don't know the answers, right? But here's where we usually make things worse for ourselves. Rather than stopping at, I have no idea what the answers are, and continuing to make our best guess on the test because that would be the rational thing to do, seeing as how we couldn't do anything differently in the moment anyway, Instead, we make the thought, I have no idea what the answers are, mean something negative and untrue, like, I'm such an idiot. And once we allow our minds to wander that far, we've engaged in labeling. Have you ever done this before? Judged yourself really harshly and then assigned a negative label to yourself? I've done it. And you know what labeling does for me? (laughs) Absolutely nothing helpful. 100% of the time, it makes whatever situation that led me to labeling myself worse. Because when I'm self-critical or when I go so far as to label myself negatively, what I'm actually doing is layering judgment on top of already feeling vulnerable or experiencing a negative emotion. So here's how this would play out. I don't study. That's the inaction. I go to take the test which is a neutral experience. I feel flustered and unprepared, which is an uncomfortable yet appropriate emotion to feel in that situation. And then I call myself an idiot, a cognitive distortion of labeling. So at that point, rather than just feeling unprepared, I've heaped loathing and shame on top of it. And logically, this makes zero sense, right? Why, if I'm already feeling vulnerable? But I make things worse for myself by labeling myself an idiot? Well, for me, when it happens, it's a subconscious effort to self-correct. Albeit hugely lacking in grace and compassion, it comes from a well-intentioned part of me, the part that values taking responsibility for myself. But sometimes, instead of initially acknowledging how I'm feeling— I instead leave my negative or vulnerable emotions just outside of my awareness. And when that happens, it leaves room in my mind to engage in cognitive distortions, labeling, for example, which is basically an unhelpful coping tool my mind uses as if to help pick me up by my bootstraps, if you will. It's just that, instead of making things better, all it really does is distract me from what I'm actually feeling and instead puts me in a negative state of mind and pessimistic mood because now I feel feelings of self-judgment added on top of my original feelings. Does that make sense? So like all cognitive distortions, labeling is well-meaning in a weird way if you can wrap your mind around that, but it actually has the opposite effect on us. It tries to serve us, and yet all it does is lead to shame or self-pity and makes it very hard to problem solve or take productive action. Now, I wanted to use an easy example that most of you can relate to to really grasp what labeling is, how it works, and why it's unproductive, so that you can now take a look at how labeling may be affecting your own marriage and other relationships. But before we take labeling a level deeper, this episode is brought to you by my free research-based relationship quiz. Have you ever wanted a professional insider's look at your relationship? Well, I've created a short quiz based on four different components of marital health. After taking the quiz, you'll receive an immediate score, plus a description of your score will be sent straight to your inbox, along with one action step, next steps to take, and one prayer for your marriage. So to get in on that free resource, just visit bravemarriage.com quiz Again, that's bravemarriage.com quiz. Okay, now I want you to imagine that you and your spouse are on an outing or a trip, and you've had a slight miscommunication about who would be bringing what. And so you're excited for this trip until you realize you've forgotten something important that you need. Depending on your season of marriage, this could be the lube or the tickets or the diapers, whatever it is. I'm sure you have your own real life examples. So pick one thing to think about in your mind right now, okay? So your first thought is, oh no, we didn't bring blank. We don't have blank. And it catches you off guard because neither of you realized it was missing until the very moment you needed it, of course. And so you have a little minor freak out inside. And of course, at your best, you would normally just laugh about it, take appropriate steps to resolve the situation and get what you need or make do, and that would be that, right? I know, totally I'm with you. Except you're a little stressed already and maybe a little tired or hungry, you know? And so instead of laughing it off like you normally would, you find yourself doing one of two things, beating yourself up over forgetting the item or blaming your spouse for forgetting the item. And once you start blaming your spouse or shaming yourself, it's very possible that you've started to engage in labeling, saying things like, I'm so absent-minded, how could I forget? Or, you're so irresponsible, how could you forget? And this is where things get really fun relationally. And by fun, I mean messy. Because now, not only do we have judgment or criticism heaped on top of the normal response of feeling flustered in that situation, we also have how our partners respond or react to us when we do this. So let me break this down into four different dynamics so that you can see which relational dynamic fits you best and learn what to do differently in each case. And your action step for today, by the way, is to practice doing something different after you learn what it is you need to do because it's one thing to listen and learn intellectually and it's another thing entirely to practice and take action. So listen with your action step in mind. Dynamic number one, you label yourself by saying something like, I'm such a ditz. And your spouse responds by saying, no, babe, you're not. Don't be so hard on yourself. You were just busy before we left, and I understand these things happen. Let's just think through what we need to do. This dynamic is going to give you the best chance of disrupting your cognitive distortion because it calls out your cognitive distortion. It can be difficult in the beginning before you've really learned to pay attention to your own mind and emotions to notice yourself start spiraling. And so to have someone say, hey, you're my spouse, and I love you, you're not whatever name you just called yourself, can help bring you out of your head and back into reality. If you can relate to this dynamic at all, what I want you to notice is how harshly you're treating yourself. Let me ask you, would you ever look another person in the face who you love and call them stupid or whatever just because they forgot something? If the answer is no, then why would you allow yourself to treat you like this? So, for anyone who can relate to this dynamic, I have a few tasks for you here. A, listen to your spouse. Let their words of affirmation or acceptance or grace sink in and disrupt your own shame cycle. B, begin to treat yourself with curiosity and compassion rather than immediately blaming and labeling yourself. When you do, your compassion for yourself will begin to soften your stance, and your curiosity will give way to genuinely better answers that lead you to take helpful action and problem-solve effectively. Dynamic number two, you label yourself by saying something like, I'm a terrible person, and your spouse says something passive-aggressive in that moment like, well, if the shoe fits, or they say nothing at all because they're too flustered. And this outcome is reactionary, not responsive, as dynamic number one was. And it's a dangerous relational dynamic because while one spouse is personalizing an event, the other is blaming them for it. And when a couple plays this out long enough and allows this dynamic to continue, before you know it, both spouses basically agree that everything in the marriage is one person's fault, when actually that is not true at all, ever, it just looks that way to them or seems that way because that couple has a pattern of one spouse personalizing things while the other places blame, which unfortunately is an unhealthy though complementary pattern that leads couples straight toward emotional distance and isolation. So if you guys relate to this dynamic, both of you need to do something different here, okay? Both parties need to learn to separate behavior from worth. And we talked about that in the last episode, so you can go back to episode 49 to take a listen. But by separating behavior from worth, the person who forgot is let off the hook for that behavior and therefore their self-worth remains intact while they make a mental note to do something different in the future. Then the person who labeled him or herself negatively needs to shift their language from I'm a terrible person to I feel terrible that my forgetting led to the situation. Do you see that? Those are two different responses with two different meanings. And the spouse who responded in a reactionary way, likewise, needs to shift into calmly expressing his or her frustration or acceptance of the situation while loving his or her spouse all the same. Dynamic number three. Your spouse says something to you like, Gosh, you're such an idiot. How could you forget those things? And you say, I know, I'm sorry. I'll do better. This dynamic is simply the flip side of dynamic number two, where we talked about this dangerous pattern of one person accepting all the fault while the other gladly assigns all the fault to them. Couples who engage in this way, whether they know it or not, are caught in a power play where the spouse who's condescending holds the power in these moments and the person who allows it to happen gets strung along. In dynamic number four is similar. This is where your spouse says to you, you're so irresponsible. And you say, don't talk to me about being irresponsible. If you did half the things I do at home, you'd know I have a lot on my plate. So in this case, you're engaged in a cycle of criticism and contempt as well as defensiveness. Now, you've heard me talk about John Gottman's Four Horsemen of the Marital Apocalypse, and if you haven't, I'll link to that in the show notes, but criticism, contempt, and defensiveness are three of the four top predictors that couples are headed toward divorce or a very lonely marriage if they stay together. Obviously, these two are very unhealthy dynamics. (laughs) But if they're yours and you can relate, you can absolutely decide right now to change and do something different. So if you're the one who tends to blame and criticize, what I want you to realize is that even though you'd love your spouse to change, I assure you, labeling him or her or speaking condescendingly to your spouse will not elicit long-term change. It might make you feel better in that moment to let off a little steam or get that thought off your chest, and your spouse might even be allowing it to happen. But that doesn't mean your spouse is actually whatever negative label you've assigned to him or her in your head. Can you see that? It also doesn't mean that your spouse is going to change long term. You might see a difference in behavior the very next time something happens. But I've never seen a scenario in which labeling or name-calling produces the results you wish to see in another person. Not in marriage, not in teaching, coaching, sports, business, preaching, or in any other facet of life in which you care about others growing and reaching their potential. And assuming you do care, and that's why this dynamic is happening, what you need to do instead is use your words and choose them carefully. So instead of calling your spouse a name or labeling him or her, use your words to express how you feel rather than to express an almighty judgment against them. And by the way, saying, I feel that you're a mess or you're impossible is no different than saying you're a mess or you're impossible, okay? Just so we're clear on that. No, what I'm asking you is that you would be thoughtful about what you're feeling Even if you've already engaged in this cognitive distortion in your head, pay attention to how you feel and say that. So I'm really frustrated that we're in this situation, or I really want to laugh about this, but I'm also really tired and stressed right now. Now, it's important to note that most of us learn to label ourselves or others through what was modeled for us. So, if we had parents who were harsh with themselves or with each other, or teachers or coaches who were harsh with us, then guess what? We're going to learn to do the same, to engage in the same cognitive distortions of others who influenced us, because as the saying goes, more is caught than taught. So, the most important thing that I want you to grasp if you relate at all to this dynamic is that if you're trying to get another person to take responsibility for his or her behavior, the best way to do that is to start with your own. It's your own differentiation and emotional maturity that influences other in positive ways, nothing else. It's not yelling or name-calling, getting defensive, or throwing bigger fits that leads to change or the results that you want. It's learning how to live into emotional adulthood. There's a parenting technique called emotion coaching, which basically helps children better identify their emotions. So if a kid is throwing a fit, a parent is better off starting with, you're really upset right now, aren't you? And then explaining whatever it is they're trying to help them understand because as long as the kid is flooded and throwing a tantrum and doesn't feel heard or understood, he or she is not likely to grasp what the parent is saying. Okay, so here's a little secret. Adults are the same way. So if you two find yourselves passing the buck back and forth, this is the equivalent of throwing a tantrum or fighting with a sibling as a child. And that's what I mean by acting in emotional childhood rather than in emotional adulthood. So here's what you've got to do. You've got to learn to not only name your emotions, but then also communicate them to your spouse. Now, to you who allows this dynamic to happen by giving in and saying, you're right, I'm so sorry, would you stop please? But seriously, your martyrdom isn't helping anyone. Now, I know Christians struggle with this sometimes because there's a lot of damaging relational theology out there, which I don't have time to get into. But if you find yourself relating to this dynamic, what I want you to know is that this is not the time to be passive, but to place a boundary. This is your marriage, your forever relationship. So if your spouse has just called you a name or negatively labeled you based on some incidental behavior, instead of saying, sorry, I'll do better next time, say something to the effect of, you know, I recognize that I forgot but I don't appreciate being called an idiot. (laughs) I am your spouse and I won't stand for being treated this way. So please find a different way to say what you're trying to say because this way is proving entirely unproductive. And if you'd like a good resource on how to do this well or how to do this in your own language, check out Henry Cloud and John Townsend's book, Boundaries in Marriage, which I'll link to in the show notes. And finally, a quick disclaimer before we end. If you suspect that you're in an emotionally abusive relationship, then I would encourage you to seek a licensed marriage therapist on your own. Because apart from the Lord changing people's hearts, this dynamic can be a tough one to overcome without professional qualified support. And because this podcast is just a podcast, It's not the same as working with me through couples coaching or marriage therapy. I want to be sure that you have what you need before doing anything different. All right, we have covered a lot today, you guys, from the cognitive distortion of labeling to how it affects us in relationships and what to do about it. I really hope you're enjoying this series and doing some good introspective work. And my prayer for you this week is that God's grace would abound to you, that you would have an encounter with grace that's so unbelievable and so undeserved that it would blow your mind, that it would soften your heart, and that it would forever transform the way you treat yourself and others. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. not a bond Love is just as fragile